All right, today we're talking about long-term development of a multidisciplinary athlete. Multidisciplinary, this can mean uh, military, CrossFit, law enforcement, hybrid, high rocks, deck of Spartan, any of those where you're, there's gonna be some concurrent training at some point, you're gonna do some combination of strength and conditioning simultaneously at some point. And what I see a lot in the marketing around being multidisciplinary, whether it's CrossFit or High Rocks, Spartan, or any of those other companies that I mentioned, is it's kind of just do everything all the time. And it's sort of a, a cult of, or, or a gospel of hard work where, you know, you just need to dig deeper and work harder and the boundaries will just melt uh, between these disciplines. And I'm gonna talk about why I, think that's a produces a lot of false hope in individuals and is counter to the evidence that we have on concurrent training and how to actually go about becoming a multidisciplinary athlete in a long-term sense and in an evidence-based way so um so i have three principles here and then i have some typal values for army special operator, CrossFit athlete, domestic law enforcement operator, and general guidelines for identifying which of those you want to do and how to develop towards that in a long-term sense. So the first principle is to acquire attributes in this order. Number one is muscle mass. Number two is strength and power. Number three is conditioning. Period. So the reason that is the case is that resistance training doesn't negatively impact endurance adaptations, but endurance training appears to negatively impact resistance training adaptations. So anyone who has tried to do both simultaneously has experienced some version of that. Some of the nuances here. If you focus too early on becoming conditioned, then it's really tough to build the structure that you need and gain the strength that you need. So this especially applies if you're well below the amount of muscle mass that you need to do the thing that you want to do. Uh, it's very tough to build that structure if you're simultaneously focusing on your conditioning. So this is known as the concurrent training effect or CTE. It was originally defined by Hicks in the early 1980s. He called it the interference effect. Uh, but it's known now as the concurrent training effect. And it applies more and more as you get more advanced. So when you're, in, when you're an intermediate or you're a novice and you're experiencing the novice effect in all the disciplines that you're doing, then it doesn't really apply because you're, you're just engaged in the motor learning process. And so you're just becoming so much more efficient from a neuromuscular perspective that you're not actually creating much fatigue from your training. So you're, you're literally just like learning new skills and you can progress fast in multiple things at the same time. So that, that's what a lot of people experience when they like go to a CrossFit gym for the first time, for example, and they never squatted, they never bent over, they never lunged, they never pushed, pulled, and they've never done any sort of, <laughs> you know, aerobic conditioning whatsoever. And they're like, well, I got strong and conditioned at the same time. It's like, well, yeah, you were a novice trainee. So that, that's what happens when you are a novice trainee and you pick up anything is you're going to experience the novice effect. 
and that's really well documented in the literature as well. And I'll include a link in the show notes to the review or the meta-analysis of concurrent training that I read that is providing the evidence for all of these principles that I'm putting forth here. Okay, so, yeah, cover the novice effect. So you wanna look at your career as a period of multiple years. So if you're multidisciplinary, it's it's gonna be a period of multiple years. It's not like an NFL career, which is like, yo, I just need to like get my 40 as fast as I can because the combine is coming up and I'm probably only gonna get one contract anyway and I need that contract to be maxed out. Uh, that's uh, like a much shorter horizon. A multidisciplinary athlete, if you're competing in any of these sports, like it takes some time in the oven to actually develop yourself into something that is advanced, uh, let alone elite in any of these sports that I mentioned. And so you're gonna have multiple years to work with. And what I see a lot of is individuals may, they may have a plan for like the next six months or the next three months. But if you ask them to look out a year or multiple years in advance, they're like, well, I don't even know if what I'm gonna be interested in two years from now. And that lack of foresight, that lack of like long-term discipline and dedication to a process is why a lot of people kind of just stay, you know, inside of what their genetics give them rather than actually transcending their genetics a little bit and, and getting not that that's fully ever possible to do, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if somebody was built like an endurance athlete, they're 150 pounds soaking wet and they want to be a domestic law enforcement operator, it's like, okay, well, you need to have 190 pounds of lean mass. And that's, you're, you're going to gain, you know, if you're lucky, you're going to gain like five to seven pounds a year of lean mass. So you need to do that for, <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like you need to do that for five years before you even have the structure that you need to be an effective domestic law enforcement operator. I'm talking about like high level, like SWAT, like people who are actually kicking down doors and doing sieges and things like that, where there's a lot of urban setting, uh, precision surgical strike, like hand-to-hand -hand combat type stuff happening. Like you wanna be pretty big for that. So um, anyways, okay. so. Principle number one is acquire attributes in this order, and that's muscle mass first, strength and power second, conditioning comes last. And the reason for that is the concurrent training effect, or CTE. And it's well documented that resistance training appears to not negatively impact endurance adaptations. Meaning, when you're training resistance training and conditioning simultaneously or concurrently, the endurance training isn't affected by the resistance training that you're doing. However, if you're doing concurrent training, then your resistance training adaptations will very likely be negatively affected, depending on how you're dosing it, the volume, the intensity, et cetera, the modality, et cetera. So, so uh, that means if you have goals with regards to resistance training, meaning muscle mass, strength, power, those are, I'm, I'm, sort of bundling all the adaptations to resistance training into that, then you're going to want to get those first before you start doing a ton of concurrent training. And once you have the muscle mass that you want and the strength and power that you want, that's requisite of 
the sport that you're trying to pursue or the selection that you're trying to get through, then you have the freedom to do more concurrent training. You have the freedom to, to be more liberal with your conditioning because you don't have to worry about the concurrent training effect. Okay. That's number one. Number two is there are compatible and incompatible disciplines. So to go back to the reason I'm making this video, which is sort of a response to the, you know, hard work gospel, uh, message of just train all the time <laughs> and just do all the disciplines all at once and you'll get better at everything forever. Uh, which is, you know, when, when you really zoom in on it, it is a noble motive for sure. Like, I, I love that. I, I, you know, the, the ideal of the, the perfect physical human, what is that? And all the disciplines are sort of, you know, a different community's take on what that is. And that's all really cool and philosophical and exciting. When you get into the weeds of this with people and working with hundreds of individuals towards various military selections, various law enforcement selections, various CrossFit competitions, etc. cetera, uh, when you really zoom in, there are compatible and incompatible disciplines. So while that's a really noble motive and a, and a cool thing that we're all sort of after implicitly, there are compatible and incompatible disciplines. And so the more incompatible the disciplines are, the longer term your plan needs to be. So by incompatible, what, what do I mean by that? I mean, incompatible disciplines cannot be developed at the same time. So if you are trying to develop leg size and develop your fast aerobic running, those would be an example of incompatible disciplines. Similarly, fast mixed aerobic work, doing that multiple times a week is very incompatible to gaining muscle mass and strength and power as well. But, um, okay. So those are examples of incompatible disciplines. Compatible disciplines would be, here are some examples of compatible disciplines, running and upper body resistance training, cycling and upper body resistance training, leg size, leg strength, and slow aerobic cycling. Those are examples of things that you can do at the same time and they minimally interfere with each other. So the concurrent training effect is still present. That's important. It's still present, but you're minimizing it significantly compared to uh, incompatible pairings where the concurrent training effect is going to be massive. There's going to be a ton of interference and you may see some progress in your aerobic work because the resistance training doesn't interfere as much with your aerobic adaptations, like we mentioned before, but you're very unlikely to see changes, significant changes in your muscle mass and your strength and power because of the concurrent training effect. Okay. So principle number two is there are compatible and incompatible disciplines. The more incompatible the disciplines are, the longer term you need to plan because it can't be developed at the same time. So if you want bigger legs, you have to say, okay, how long am I willing to dedicate to hypertrophy before my legs are big enough and I'm satisfied <laughs> with the size of my legs so that when I'm triangle choking someone, there is sufficient uh, lack of space between my calf and my hamstring for the blood to get to their head and they pass out sooner. <laughs> uh, I'm just using that as an example for like a tactical athlete, but you get what I'm saying. Like 
the more incompatible your disciplines are, the longer term you need to plan because it can't be developed at the same time. So you would have to say, okay, I need to, I'm going to develop my, my muscle mass for this amount of time. And then once I've achieved this level of lean body mass, then I'm going to do more concurrent training and become more conditioned. Um, I hope that, I hope that makes sense. I think it does. Okay. That's principle number two. Principle number three is genetics. So everyone has a genetic setup that they enter into multidisciplinary sports with, obviously. And your genetics are gonna give you some things and not others. So the less suited your genetics are for the discipline that you're trying to chase, the longer term your plan needs to be. So I used this example before, but if you're you know 150 pound feather of a male, I'm not using that in like a derogatory way, like that's me genetically, so it's totally fine. Then, and you wanna be a competitive CrossFit athlete and have 175 pounds plus of lean mass, it's like, that's gonna take years to get to. And the rate of increase is about 10 pounds of body weight per year. Not all of that is muscle, some of that will be fat increase as well. So you're gonna to have to budget a lot of time for that. Uh, versus if you wanted to be like an army special operator, which really values ultra endurance running, then you're not gonna to need to spend as much time developing your muscle mass. So there's also the adaptability factor. So some individuals are gonna be really adaptable to mu gaining muscle mass and to strength and power. And other individuals are going to be more suited for aerobic work. And they may be more adaptable to that. So they, they may not need as much training volume put towards one or the other. They may need to, you basically, you need to take what your genetics give you and focus on the other stuff if you're multidisciplinary is the point. So part of the beauty of being multidisciplinary is that there's not one genetic setup that sets you up for everything. So if you're an individual who struggles to gain muscle mass and strength and power, but you find that you adapt really well to aerobic training, then it's like, okay, well you have that advantage over the guy who puts on the muscle mass and the strength and power really easily. Conversely, like that guy isn't gonna have to do as much hypertrophy training as you. So he's gonna have to do like a lot more conditioning, like a lot, a lot more. So again, it just depends on what, you know, expression of the multiple disciplines you're choosing and where your starting point is genetically, training age, etc. And the other thing I wanna mention is you wanna pick something that you're pretty well suited for. <laughs> so it, you know, if you're like a that endurance runner type, 155 pounds, then you know you're going to be more suited for army special operations than you're going to be suited for domestic law enforcement. So that's important to know the differences there. They're not like all the same thing. Like I, th I think there's a perception that oh, tactical means that you like are good at jujitsu and you're jacked. And it's like, well, I knew a lot of army special operators who were not that at all. Like they were just incredibly good distance runners. They were just exceptional distance runners and they did awesome because that's what's valued in the, a lot of the military selections, but especially the army special operations selection process. Okay. So I hope this helps you. 
pick the vocation that you're most talented for and develop a long-term plan to getting to the level that you ascending, you know, to the level that you want to get to. So here's some typical values for, these are just for males. I, I just don't know the female values as well, guys. I, I haven't worked with as many females. I've worked with some, but I've just worked with a lot more males and being a male, I'm a lot more familiar with like what the values are because I like reference them in myself all the time. So I, I, I don't have female values for these, I'm sorry. Um, so an army special operator is gonna be around 175 pounds and 12 to 15% body fat. So that comes out to about 150 pounds of lean mass. And you're basically gonna be a great endurance athlete. So you're gonna have like a 12 minute, two mile run, which isn't super exceptional, I know. 35 minute, five mile run, 220, 12 mile ruck. And then you're just gonna excel at, at distance running basically. So there's a much lower value for muscle mass, strength and power. There, that's changing a little bit with the ACFT, but the standards aren't very high. So you can, if you're 175 pounds, you can pass them really pretty easily. And if you're bigger than that, you can certainly still do the distance running. It just gets harder, like the more muscle mass you have. So um, any, anything beyond 150 pounds of lean mass is fine for an army special operator. Like you'll be better at the close quarter stuff. Uh, but with the distance running, I think having 150 pounds of lean mass and 175 pounds of body weight is just going to be a better setup genetically and structurally for the demands of that. Next is a CrossFit athlete. A CrossFit athlete is 20 pounds bigger, basically. So a CrossFit athlete is 195 plus pounds. I, I kind of set these as minimums because it just, it just made sense to me to do it that way. So it's not that if you're over 175 pounds, you can't be an army special operator. There are tons of, but that's, if you're lighter than that, then you're gonna have some challenges, I think with the, the loading of the rucksack and the close, the, the little bit of close quarter stuff that you have to do. Um, so yeah, and then the new ACFT standards are, would be tough if you're lighter than that, so. Uh, so that's why I put 175 pounds as the minimum for an army special operator. There, there might also be some durability concerns if you don't have 150 pounds of lean mass on your frame. Okay, next is a CrossFit athlete. So a CrossFit athlete is gonna be 195 plus pounds, 10% body fat. The reason you're gonna be a little bit leaner as a CrossFit athlete is because you don't have to do freaking field stuff. So you can just, you know, train and then like, eat as much as you want, whenever you want, and sleep as much as you want. And you can, you're not gonna have as much stress mediated body water, et cetera. So you're gonna be leaner <laughs> than a guy who actually has to do stuff in the field. You can just set your life up perfectly around your training. Okay, so 195 pounds of body weight, 10% body fat, that comes out to 175 pounds of lean mass really robust strength numbers, strength and power numbers, 285 snatch, 465 back squat. These are like games level numbers. 300 pound close grip bench press weighted pull up, 220 cals in 10 minutes on the assault bike, 20 legless rope climbs in 10 minutes. So like pretty enormous strength numbers, like okay aerobic numbers, and then like pretty uh, 
pretty low level gymnastic numbers. But, uh, you know, from a multidisciplinary standpoint, like still pretty impressive, uh, very impressive. Okay, next is a domestic law enforcement operator. So this is 215 plus pounds, 10% body fat. Uh, the reason, same reason that the body fat percentage can be lower for domestic is because you're not doing these like long range reconnaissance missions and you don't have to, you know, survive on gels and go pills and caffeine uh, for as long because you're just kind of like going and doing the siege and then like going back to the station and where you got all your food. So you can be bigger, you can have more uh, lean body mass and you can be leaner because it's not as, you know, stressful what you're doing. So you can be 215 plus, 10% body fat, 190 pounds of lean mass, really good at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, probably really good at striking too. That, that's, what I that's what I would value if I was in that um, vocation. Uh, pretty resilient to plyos. That kind of just comes down to like sprinkling it in early on in your training session and having enough muscle mass to be resilient to it. Uh, great short to middle distance sprinter. So you'll notice that the really long-term endurance events don't apply as much, nearly as much to a domestic law enforcement operator as they do to a army special operator. Okay, and then finally, a hybrid Hyrox Deca Spartan. This is gonna be totally dependent on the distance and the events that are inside of it. Uh, it just hasn't been around as long as CrossFit, so it isn't quite as defined as far as, there's not as much of a type that's like emerging as like this person excels as a hybrid high rocks Deca Spartan athlete. So all of those events have like different, they're different governing bodies or different companies. So they have like different distances and different like sleds and different like, it, it's just kind of all over the place. Like Spartan races alone, the OCR events, they have sprint distances, but they also have like ultra distances. So it's like, you get what I'm saying? If you're doing an ultra, then you gotta be super light. But if you're doing a sprint, you don't have to be nearly as light. So, um, so there's not really a type for that yet, as far as I can tell. Um, but the longer the distance you're doing, like the, the lighter you're gonna be. And so you don't have to spend as much time building muscle mass. Okay, and the guidelines, like I said before, plus half a pound to one pound of body weight per month. So that comes out to about 10 pounds per year. If you're like really dialed, pushing the surplus and pushing the resistance training hard, that's about how much you can expect to gain. And so if you're, you know, well below the weight class for any of those things, then you basically need to like budget a lot of budget years basically to get into the weight class to do what you want to do. And, or you could just pick something that you're really genetically suited for. So if your like body weight set point is 175, it's like, hey, you're pretty set up for, you know, the long distance running while having some muscle mass on your frame. So like, these are kind of the things that you're set up for versus, it, you know, you wanna be a CrossFit athlete and back squat 465. It's like, okay, well, you're gonna have to do two or three years of bodybuilding and then you're gonna to have to get strong and then you're gonna to have to get conditioned. So that's a much longer term plan for an individual who has a low body weight set point. Okay, 
right, guys, so like I said, I will put the citation to the meta-analysis review. What's it called? Brief review on concurrent training. So I'll put that link in the show notes. And to review the principles, the reason I made this video is because a lot of the marketing around multidisciplinary athletics is just like work really hard and do everything all at once all the time. And because the concurrent training effect, once you become more advanced, that's not possible. It's totally fine for novices and even intermediates, but once you become advanced, you have to have priorities and you have to have a periodized long-term plan, especially if you expect to gain muscle mass and strength and power. So principle number one is acquire attributes in this order, muscle mass first, strength and power second, conditioning third. And that's because of the concurrent training effect, otherwise known as the interference effect, and endurance training negatively impacts resistance training adaptations. It just does, it just does. And the more advanced you are, the more that applies. However, it doesn't work the other way around. So you can maintain a lot of muscle mass and strength and power while you're pushing the conditioning. So that's why you do it in that order. And a lot of the individuals who are really influential in the you know, hybrid CrossFit multidisciplinary space, they did it this way. Like they were gym bros who had a lot of muscle mass and got pretty strong and then they got really conditioned. And their training once, you know, once they like quote unquote make it is really concurrent and they do a lot of sometimes incompatible stuff at the same time, uh, but they're not making huge gains in their muscle mass or their strength and power anymore when they're doing that style of training. They are maintaining their muscle mass and their strength and power with their resistance training and they're like just getting a little bit more conditioned. And so that's like a little known secret of those athletes. I, I'm not sure why they're not more vocal about it, um, but it's well documented. There's like plenty of evidence for it. So um, yeah, just be salty about that. Like if you wanna gain muscle mass and strength and power, you just gotta focus on that. You just gotta focus on that for as long as it takes and then and then get conditioned after. So if you're trying to get conditioned while, while making significant muscle mass, strength and power gains, it, it's a really hard road. Especially the more advanced you get. <clears throat> okay, second principle is there are compatible and incompatible disciplines. The more compatible they are, the more you can train them simultaneously, the more incompatible they are, the longer term the plan you're gonna need because they don't go together. So incompatible pairings would be like leg size and fast aerobic running or fast aerobic mixed work and muscle mass generally. And then the third principle is focus on what your genetics didn't give you. So know what you're adaptable to, know what you're genetically set up for and structure your training accordingly. Prioritize the things that your genetics don't give you. And that's the part of the beauty of being multidisciplinary is there's not one genetic setup that makes you really good at everything. So uh, that, that's one of the cool things about it. it. Takes a long time to get really good. Okay, so I hope this helps you uh, structure your, or, or just think about your development as a multidisciplinary athlete with a longer term view and develop a long-term plan for ascending.
to the level that you want to get to.